Well, welcome back to the Cordell and Cordell in Men's Divorce video and podcast. I'm Scott Trout, CEO and Managing Partner of Cordell and Cordell, bringing back, as always, a daily podcast uh, talking about COVID-19 and how it's affecting guys before, during, and after divorce, uh, trying to bring you the latest information on the ground from our attorneys from around the country. And today, I'm joined by Kara Phillips in uh, Pennsylvania. Welcome. Good morning. Good morning. So, Kara, you know, there's a lot of issues we want to talk about, particularly I know that uh, you're interested in talking about how guys deal with mental health issues and alcohol issues and those things that really existed before COVID-19, but really changes uh, the aspects of the procedure, the process. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about that with you, but also once you go ahead, as we always start um, about the court system, what's going on on the ground? Are they open? What's available for filing? Kind of walk us through that. Sure. So um, just recently, I believe it was last week, um, sometime last week, the Pennsylvania Supreme Court actually gave the courts a little bit more leeway to open up, um, to do a little bit more through technology, Zoom, you know, all the different channels that they can that they wouldn't have in-person contact. Um, originally, it was just close to the public um, and emergencies only, essentially, is what they were hearing. Um, but now Pennsylvania seems to be taking the route of okay, we're going to stay close to the public until May 30th, um, but also individual counties can now start um, doing more than just emergencies. Um, so different custody conferences, support conferences, things like that, they're doing them more now over the phone or like I said, through Zoom, which is nice because now you know, you're getting through that backlog, which is good. Mm -hmm. So work is starting to pick up again um, and they're starting to, to reschedule everything, which is great. That is good. You know, if, if you go around, it's so different around the country. We had a podcast just dedicated to how do you find out the court system and what's going on and there's guidelines and frequently asked questions. And it's very interesting to see how not only the states handle it, but every county uh, is different. I mean, if you, you come here in Missouri, uh, what happens in St. Louis is very different than what's going on in just a, maybe a 20 minute drive to another county. So uh, it's interesting and it's good that things are starting to open back up and you know, guys are, are really needing to move forward. So it's good news. So right. I want to talk a little bit about the topic uh, today. And obviously, before we get started, as I always would disclaimer, not to be taken as legal advice. Obviously, I'm only licensed in Missouri, Illinois, and Georgia, CARES licensed in Pennsylvania. So there are plenty of you I know listening from around the country that we're not licensed in your state, but we do have an office. So keep in mind, this is just talking points. This is something for you to an educational tool to take to your attorney, seek out the advice of an attorney. It really is to just help you kind of give you guidance along the way. And obviously if you need to have a consultation, we're available telephonically or virtually. And in some states around the country where it's uh, safe and healthy to do so, we'll do it in person. But you can reach out to us at 866-DADS-LAW or cordellcordell.com. So Kara, let's get started. Obviously, uh, you know, we talk about custody a lot and uh, we deal with this all the time. And one of the issues that comes up, among other things, is really um, substance abuse issues, alcohol, and mental health. So before COVID, kind of walk guys through how that, in, you know, that's used and what's the process for bringing it up and, and really bringing it to the court's attention and how they can use it in their battle as they're trying to get custody or even uh, talking about just a breakdown of their marriage. Right. So, I mean, first, I, I just want to say, interestingly enough, May is Mental Health Awareness Month, um, which I figured out this morning. Um, yeah. So it's, it's pure coincidence that we're talking about it now, but it's nice. Um, 
So regularly and, and realistically, it's, you know, mental health is obviously, um, it's kind of like a taboo subject still. Um, but people use it as a weapon in their divorce and custody cases. And I, I really enjoy using it as, you know, a strength, which you really can. Um, so obviously, you know, we see many times in divorce cases, um, the breakdown of marriages occur over, you know, the biggest is probably finances, but I think the second biggest that at least I see is mental health, substance abuse, things like that, where, you know, dads just can't deal with it anymore. Men can't, you know, put up with it anymore. And so they get to their breaking point. And so obviously they're not going into a divorce or custody situation in on the best of terms with their partner. Um, and so it's already contentious and courts know, you know, they're going to bring this up as um, kind of a blow to the other side or at the same time as a blow to them from the other side. Um, and I always tell our clients that come to us and they say, you know, I had these substance abuse issues five years ago, um, got help, go to meetings, go to a counselor. I always say to them, we, we put that up out front, you know what I mean? Because the judges really look at that and say, wow, you're doing a really good job. You've struggled with this. Um, you've identified it. And here you are doing the best that you can for your kids and showing them it's okay to deal with these things. Um, so that's really the way that I always look at it. Um, but usually it's, you know, if, if it is an issue in divorce or custody cases, typically what we do is we will ask the court for some sort of special relief. Um, and that's just simply um, drafting some sort of a petition. And it can't even be put into a divorce complaint or a custody complaint. Um, it doesn't have to be a, a special relief petition on its own. Um, and what we ask for are evaluations. You know, if we have some sort of fear that the other side may be drinking um, heavily while they have the children, obviously that's a concern. And you want to get it out right up front because, you know, I think I hear a lot of times from masters and judges, you know, you were married for 10, 15 years and the alcohol abuse was never a problem when mom was watching the kids, but now all of a sudden it is and they want to know why. Um, so getting it out there right up front and saying, listen, this isn't something that we want to take away your kids for, but we need to keep these kids safe in this sort of situation is obviously the most important thing. And so that can come out in, like I said, any of the pleadings. Um, and then realistically, you know, a master or a judge has the ability to then order, um, or recommend, um, that evaluations and things like that should be done. Yeah. I think, you know, the danger, it's really interesting dealing with any issues like this and whether it be mental health, alcohol, you know, financial misconduct, you name it. And, and I think it's a double-edged sword. I always talk to guys about it being that you can use it and certainly it becomes an asset to, to the wife because then she's going to claim, well, I'm disabled and I can't work outside the home if I have a mental health issue. So now it becomes a spousal support issue. Mm -hmm. And so as long as you understand kind of what's going on and what you're getting into, no doubt, and the dangers of not raising it immediately is if I'm wife's counsel, I'm going to use it for the maintenance anyway. And mm -hmm. I'm going to say, well, I can't work. And so if you didn't raise it, and then you only raise it as in response to perhaps this maintenance claim, then I begin to question your motives. Is it really, and why are you raising it now? If it was such a big deal in custody, why did you not raise it until after she raised it? You know, and I... Guy's coming, I met with someone, you know, a couple weeks ago, and he's been in a marriage long term and just really struggled with 
you know, her mental health issues and what to do with these. And, you know, you've got young kids and because they care for them, you know, the, the marriage may be broken. They can't, you know, meaningfully live together. And so, they, but they realistically think, how is it going to impact them by making these claims? And these are very difficult decisions to make, but ultimately it turns on the kids and what's in their best interest and making those decisions. And you just have to have an attorney that walks you through that process. What they, you know, the, the pros and the cons are, as you point out, I think it's just really interesting. So obviously the care, the question is, is I assume you raise these in the pleadings and the petition and you make the allegations and that kind of brings it to light right away. Yeah, I think it does. Um, and typically, you know, I guess pre COVID, um, we were able to get those petitions and have hearings scheduled, um, to talk about it almost immediately, which was nice, um, to get it out there and, and come up with a plan to how to deal with these things. Um, but typically now it's, you know, courts are looking at it as, um, okay, attorneys, you're going to be the mediators between the parties and, you know, we're not going to address this right now. Yeah. Um, unless obviously there's a really emergent situation, but, um, for the last month or two, that's kind of what I've been seeing. So I think mental health, substance abuse, all these issues are kind of falling at the wayside unless, you know, the children are really in danger and you can point to one specific instance that there needs to be an emergency hearing scheduled. Yeah, this, you know, the, the coronavirus and COVID-19 COVID has, there's a, a trending hashtag called Corona Divorce. Mm -hmm. And what you're seeing is obviously you have a breakdown of the marriage already. Uh, substance abuse and mental health issues are simply adding to the pressure. And perhaps even alcohol abuse is becoming more prevalent being sheltering in place. I mean, the alcohol sales are going through the roof. People are beginning to drink more during this time. And that's really, you're going to see these issues now and then coming out of coronavirus as we begin to open up and really guys need to make this an issue because it really is a safety and well-being issue. Um, so the question I guess is, are there ways to deal with it? If courts don't find it now in COVID-19, an issue of emergent nature? Are there special masters? Are there ways to really deal with this issue? If the guys feel like, hey, there's a custody concern here, a behavioral concern, we're still living together, or maybe we're separated, how can they really address this uh, you know, during kind of an, a court system that only takes what they consider emergency matters? Sure. Well, I, and I've dealt with this a few times already. Um, I think first and foremost, it seems like the clients are really addressing it with their partner head on. Um, whether it be a divorce situation or just solely a custody situation. You know, they're talking to their partner. Rehabilitation centers are still open. They're still accepting patients. Um, and if it doesn't even get to that, you know, AA meetings and things like that where people would go to kind of clear their mind and help them with sobriety and mental health issues, they're not, they're not actually ongoing as regularly as they would be. And so people are finding it a whole, a whole lot harder to deal with these problems. Um, but I think definitely first and foremost, talk with your partner, you know, and if that can't happen, talk with your attorney. Um, a lot of courts are, you know, we are submitting special relief petitions. We can still do that. Um, we can still file, which is nice. Um, and then typically uh, in Pennsylvania, typically you go through a couple of stages before you get to a judge in a custody situation. Um, so what we're seeing is that the master is kind of the gatekeeper at this point. So the master is getting the attorneys on the phone, trying to work out agreements. And if they can't, then they sit down and, and they talk with the clients and they give them, you know, the, the good and the bad of what's going on and let them know, you know, if you're going before a judge, don't expect this to be easy. 
Um, and then, you know, typically if it gets to that point where it's before the judge, the judge is holding, you know, full blown hearings where they're doing testimony and, you know, they're deciding different things that really can't be easily reversed right now because, I mean, you just don't have the resources. Um, evaluations can still take place. However, you know, counseling offices, things like that, it's harder um, because they're closed. So they're doing things over Zoom. And so if you have a child in counseling, typically, you know, they're going to be at one parent's house during that counseling session in Zoom. And so counselors are saying, listen, this is not even productive because they can't, they can't talk openly. Um, yeah. And I think, you know, that's just given the situation we're in, it's kind of slowing things down, but it's, there's definitely resources that are still there to help people. And I think that the courts have made that clear. Um, I dealt with a case specifically where um, the child had ingested drugs um, and I got a call from the client and, you know, we obviously it was an emergent situation, which, you know, we took it right to the court. I was able to email um, the court everything. The master got on the phone with us, got the judge on the phone. Um, we had an entire hearing and it was all over the phone. But I mean, obviously it was to keep the child safe and the judge ended up, you know, ruling to keep the child safe, which was great. Um, but it happened, you know, it's, we have the ability to still do work right now um, and to yeah. keep children safe. And I think that's obviously our, our main objective with all of that. For some dads out there, the coronavirus pandemic has become a pretext to limit access to their children. Other dads have been pushed out of key decisions affecting their children's lives. If you're one of those dads, Cordell & Cordell is here for you, as always, but with expanded services. We can meet you in person or by video conference on weekdays, evenings, or weekends. Our goal is to step up our service to meet your needs now. I think it's key when, you know, three weeks ago, we talked about the, or maybe I think in a webinar it was three weeks ago, the five, um, you know, mistakes guys make during COVID. And one of them is inaction. And, mm -hmm. you know, when faced with something like this, and it's really easy to identify substance abuse and perhaps less with mental health issues, but anxiety and depression are so prevalent, not only in your spouse, perhaps now, but your kids. And I think identifying it, number one, getting help and understanding the resources, number two, and, and you know, education. Uh, to recognize and how to deal with it, but then take action. I think that the simple filing, you know, if I'm a judge, you know, I, I know my, you know, 26, 27 years I've been doing this. It's, you, know, you look at it and I'm thinking judges have always said, you got to take action. If it's, a, if it's that big of a concern, say something and do something. And whether the courts can hear it now, at least you're getting on file and getting something moving. And I think that's equally important. But you know, for certainty, if there are issues and mental health issues or alcohol abuses that are creating problems with kids and in the house, you've got to do everything you can to file these emergency motions, but be prepared, don't you think, is one is um, if you're going to go in an emergency motion, go in prepared and willing to make sure the judge knows you've done your homework and your diligence and, and can present as to why it's an emergency motion, don't you believe or agree? Oh, absolutely. I think you know, a lot of times on emergency petitions pre-COVID, it was just, you know, a he said, she said sort of mm -hmm. thing where you don't have, you know, the evidence really to back it up. It's just, well, he's done this, this, and this, and this is what I know. 
Um, now judges, they want the hard evidence. Um, that case that I was just talking about, there was a CYS investigation, there were medical records. We had everything we needed to back it up. And that's what the judges want to see right now. Um, and I really anticipate just from speaking with some of you know, the judges, um, staff, the clerks, and the masters in the individual courts, um, I do anticipate, you know, once the courts open back up to the public and things start to get back to normal, um, I do anticipate the judges taking a really hard stance on people that have manipulated court orders or, you know, brought frivolous emergency petitions at this point in time. I, I see them really cracking down on that, oh, which yeah. is, is a good thing um, because I think it needed to happen. Um, but it's just unfortunate, obviously, that this all had to happen for that to occur. Yeah. And I think emergencies in their mind better be, you know, really darn good emergencies right now. Uh, and I think that that kind of it stresses the importance of seeking counsel, having a plan, talking to the lawyer about, you know, is this what is the best foot forward? Is it just simply saying it in a pleading in a divorce and it's what we wait until after the emergency? Or is it really something that we need to do and can do? And then the next level I mean, certainly you can file the motion for emergency relief, but can you get to that level of proof without upsetting the judge? And I mean, you have to weigh all those factors. So I agree. That's a really key. Um, in terms of, I think you mentioned it, the evaluations, counseling, uh, you're familiar. I think you said they're doing them via Zoom and, and virtually as well currently. Uh, yeah, so some, and I guess it depends office to office, but for the most part, um, you know, drug and alcohol evaluations, they're all still open at the different centers um, in person. Um, counseling, for the most part, reunification, family counseling, things like that, those are happening mostly via Zoom, um, which again, you know, pros and cons to it, but they're still occurring, which is good. Um, and then, you know, mental health evaluations are also happening uh, in person as well. And again, it varies by office, but I'm seeing them still occurring, which is great um, because obviously mental health and substance abuse doesn't just stop like everything yeah. else did. Um, yeah. So we still need to address it. Um, and I think the hardest part too, one of the hardest things I think is, you know, getting that call from the client and you could just hear it in their voice that they're completely defeated. They just lost mm -hmm. their job. They just got laid off. You know, they're dealing with, you know, the downfall of their marriage or, you know, their kids are unsafe and they just need help. You know what I mean? And so to address their immediate mental health, um, you know, needs is obviously critical as well because, you know, we're getting those calls. I've gotten multiple calls from clients like that. And it's just, you need to be there and be able to direct them in, in the right direction and get them to the right people as well. Yeah. I mean, I think it is most of one is they're overwhelmed with dealing with it, but two understanding there's, there is a way, there's a way to help in the family law system. There's a strategy we can put forth together. Uh, and you know, in the way that makes them feel good about it. I mean, it's a terrible thing to, to raise and to, you know, when someone hasn't hit the realization that they have an issue to deal with and uh, we understand and having dealt with it on, on a number of occasions across the country and all of our lawyers have. So Especially now, what a great topic to bring, as you point out, in Mental Health Awareness Month in May. You know, I think, guys, really, this is good stuff, Kara. I appreciate uh, your time and insight on this really, really important topic for guys during COVID-19. Yes, thank you for having me, Scott. So, as always, we continue to bring you the latest uh, on everything. You know, uh, COVID hasn't spared any element or aspect of family law. Everything is being affected by it. And so we want to continue to bring you uh, information and resources available to you. Obviously, you can reach out to us at CordellCordell.com or 866-DADS-LAW. If you want to have that consultation with us, we're available across the country as well as in the UK. 
So we'll continue to bring this to you as well. You should join our virtual town hall on Thursdays where we address your questions live and you get the opportunity to interact with our Cordell and Cordell panel and to ask a question and get answers. So make sure to tune in Thursdays at the virtual town hall and then here daily on our radio podcast, as well as we'll answer your questions that you've submitted uh, each Friday. We'll cover those as well. So until next time, have a good week.